everyone, I'm Becky. And this is Claire. And welcome to another episode of Podway. So this is the podcast where we discuss things related to musical theaters and plays. And in today's episode, it's the Ride the Cyclone. So yeah, today we're watching Ride a Cyclone. This is really, really interesting in my opinion because story time. We were supposed to record this episode three weeks ago. Was mm-hmm. it three weeks ago? Yeah, I think. Oh it's my three god! Weeks ago. So <laughs> we we're rusty. Um, maybe if I didn't say this, you wouldn't notice anything. And now you're like, oh, they are rusty. And if that's the case, <laughs> unfortunate, tragic. That is sad. But um, we're supposed to record this episode three weeks ago because. Claire over here um, had her time, the time of her life in Portugal uh, for two weeks. So we wanted to have some uh, episodes in our reservoir that we would record ahead of time and release as necessary. And um, due to my own fuck up, (laughs) I'm fully owning up to it. uh, We did not record this one as planned. So we're recording this this one after she comes back. So first of all, let's officially welcome Claire back. Welcome back, Claire. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Tell us a little bit of how was your trip? It was amazing. Ah. It was so good. It was actually not as hot as I imagined it would be. And there were definitely a lot of people. And funny enough, I think a lot of Canadians are actually traveling to Portugal right now. Because in my first night in the hostel, like somebody else, asked me like oh where are you from and I told them I'm from Canada and literally this guy from California told me wow I'm meeting every single Canadians here like <laughs> there's so many Canadians in Portugal right now and Canadian uh, represents and I represent that's why <laughs> <laughs> um yeah honestly I think I told you this before but I've seen three people on my Instagram feed all from Canada going to Portugal the same wow. time that you went um, all influencers <laughs> by the way so <laughs> three different Canadian influencers all going to Portugal the same time you were going so I don't know maybe you see like an influencer in your fortune in your future that's what I'm predicting for you and speaking of predictions maybe we should go into a brief synopsis of the show so I think we mentioned this before, at least you and I talked about, and I let you know like briefly what it was about. But um, to me, this musical is kind of like a hybrid between Putnam County Spelling Bee, which we're not going to talk about your opinions of. I hope that they don't carry over to this one. And uh, the other portion of the hybrid is Final Destination, which last time we talked about, you weren't very familiar with it, right? Mm-hmm. No. You remember what it was? No. Um, so Final Destination is like a series of horror movies where you have like a core cast of people who are all supposed to die together in some kind of oh, accident. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes. And um, one of them has a premonition which uh, causes the events to change so they don't all die at that accident. But then they all die individually of like horrific causes because you can't cheat death or something like that. Mm-hmm. So this gives me like one of them. And I remember distinctively, I was a kid and um, there was a Final Destination movie that came out. I have no idea which one, maybe the third one. I have no idea. Um, and the poster was the um, actors in like a roller coaster. And you can see like the skull um, reflected on their faces Ugh. or something like that. So uh-huh. it's so apt. Maybe that's why I think of it as a hybrid of Putnam <laughs> County Spelling Bee and Final Destination because of that poster. But um, it totally gives me that vibe. 
Anyway, so Ride a Cyclone tells the story of six high school students who are part of a chamber choir from Uranium, Saskatchewan. Canada represents. Um, so the six of them go to a carnival and ride the roller coaster known as the Cyclone. And due to a tragic accident, they die and are... I thought they were frozen in time, but I think they were actually resurrected for the purpose of the movie or like conjured by the fortune telling telling like mm-hmm. animatronics. But uh, in general, they're given a choice to select one of them or one of the students in the group to survive the accident. So only one of them can survive. And it's kind of like how this entire story unfolds. So I'll just go into like are how we found out about the musical and I'm gonna connect it with the history of the musical. Um, So I'm gonna take a good chunk of it. Do you wanna maybe go ahead and say how you found out about the musical? It's literally the same as the other 80 musicals that we covered (laughs) that I found out through you. So I think that explains it. Okay, (laughs) that is succinct. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, So yes, I believe this is our second ever Canadian musical. And this episode will be released a day before Canada Day. So, yay for Canada. Yay. Yay. Um, the musical debuted in Victoria, British Columbia, which actually I presume, Claire, you know all about. I mean, I only visit twice, but yes. I mean, you, you lived there, so yeah. <laughs> it's not the same. Victoria, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's on Vancouver Island. That's not in Vancouver even so you have to take a cruise to go there oh okay interesting I've been to Toronto Island only once so I guess I understand we've only been there twice yourself Mm, yeah Vancouver Um, Island is a big island like big island not like like Toronto Island is tiny there's like yeah I don't know a tiny little thing apparently people live there which is bizarre to me because yeah they're like people actually live there and they have to take a ferry every day to go to work or something before like remote jobs were invented so wild and bizarre that people live there but anyway um the musical debuted in victoria in british columbia in 2008 and the musical uh, book lyrics and like music itself were all written by the duo of Jacob Richmond and Brooke Maxwell. So it toured Canada for several years until it received its American premiere in 2015. And shortly after in 2016, the show transferred off Broadway for a short run. Based on what I can see, there are no like big awards that it won that we know of, which is a little bit tragic. It didn't receive like a lot of critical acclaim. There wasn't any like critical reception portion of it on Wikipedia or anywhere else that I saw. Um, So that was a little bit sad. But to go a little bit more into that, what I did (laughs) was I revisited YouTube because some people were very passionate about this show. So maybe a little bit more about the history of the show. This one is courtesy of one of those YouTube videos I uh, visited to see this um, by a YouTuber named The Most British American. From what I gather... They're kind of like the authority on anything Ride a Cyclone. Apparently, like, she watched the show 21 times or something oh crazy God. like this. I think I saw that video, actually. Wasn't that, like, almost two hours long or something? Yeah, she has several videos. One of them is almost two hours long. Another one is, like, an hour long. She has another one that is, like, 20 minutes long. I watched all of them just to 
keep myself prepared. <laughs> and she was very, very like knowledgeable about everything and I learned tons. So highly, highly recommend her videos. Um, so apparently during its life as a purely Canadian musical, so until 2015, I'm guessing, the show was arranged like a cabaret. So I didn't have a, like a lot of plot. It was mainly like the characters introducing themselves. And then when I transferred to America, the story became a lot more cohesive and the plot a lot more tangible. I guess from here we can stumble into like how I found out about the show. So I found out about it when I was looking for like smaller, less known musicals specifically, just because we had so much fun talking about those in the past. And I wanted to see what else we can find um, that was like smaller and maybe not a lot of people knew about. So I saw that it was recommended quite a bit and pretty much everybody who recommended it loved it. I mean, duh, that's what they recommended. Um, I liked that it was Canadian and I also really appreciated there was like a cast recording at the time. It looks like the cast recording was pretty new. So I think I found out about it in December of 2021 and the cast recording came out May 7th in 2021. Mm-hmm. So even though the show existed from like 2008, the cast recording was very, very new. And I'm guessing it's just to speak about the cult following that this musical has and the continuous demand. So I really wanted to cover it, but for the life of me, I couldn't find any way to watch it, which is something that we like usually like to do. Um, so we actually discussed this I think the literal like genesis of that discussion was this musical. And we decided that maybe we should cover some of the lesser known musicals through cast albums alone. So not watching it visually. And we're going to make like a shorter episode before you were going. That was just like us talking through the cast albums and maybe uh, excerpt of the plot we could find through other means. And um Then, literally the day before we were recording it, I was like, oh my god, Claire, (laughs) I found a recording, I found a recording. (laughs) And uh, we decided to hold off to another day, and then I fucked up during the day and we didn't do it, so uh, that's why we're doing it now. So I'm really, really glad that we waited for the actual like cast recording, because in my opinion, this shows really benefit from uh, viewing it rather than just hearing it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think... Just the fact that like people are so dedicated to the show um, that they still talk about like, what was it like, not 15 years, but yeah, maybe almost 15 years after that's, that's kind of crazy, especially since it never received like a wide release, like on Broadway and it stayed off Broadway, maybe I think a month or two. So not a very Mm -hmm. long run. So really, really crazy. And on her last videos from the same channel, the most uh, British American, apparently that's something that's really funny that happened. It got a little like cameo on Riverdale of all what? things. Yeah, right. Seriously? <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So okay, so the Carnex Dream of Life excerpt, I believe, it made its way into like Riverdale. Just it wasn't like a whole episode that was dedicated to like what we covered for Heathers with just like a mm-hmm. tiny little excerpt. But the fact that it made it onto there, it means that somebody was aware of it and that they had to have some kind of agreement with the people who created the show or do the licensing for the show. So all of it is pretty neat. So yeah. And one last thing I think we should mention before we go more deeply into things. The show underwent a lot of changes and revisions. So the version that Claire and I watched was the off-Broadway version from 2016. Oh, and one other thing. I didn't get a hold of it myself in time, but I would love to see it. Apparently, 
uh, Ride the Cyclone is part of a trilogy. Oh. And there is a play that's a prequel called Legoland. And it's following who um, we find out later will be Jane Doe. It follows like her life before the accident. So I really want to read it. <laughs> and I tried getting my a hold of it before the episode, but I couldn't. Obviously, we won't be able to see it as a play. I don't think it has the same kind of level of popularity as Ride a Cyclone. But even just like reading it, the thing itself would be really, really neat, I think. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to do it. And I'm really curious about the third part. Maybe it's like a sequel. I'm really, really curious about a sequel because as you'll find out later, the show is a little bit open-ended. So I'm curious as to what they can do. Okay, now more things to cover in the future. That's a good thing. Potentially. I mean, Potentially. I've, never, I've never heard anything about the sequel yet. We could cover the prequel, but first of all, we've never done a play before in our lives. <laughs> Even though we say it every single time that plays are included, so far plays have not been included. And second of all, I feel like if we do like a book club and we read it, it will be one thing. It could be really interesting to do and I'll be open to it. But I don't think there is like, I don't know, a photographic. Like a yeah. Yeah, photographic or like something like that of version of the play. There, there is no video of it or anything like that. So we'll have to read it if we want to see the content. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that's possible, whether like people like this episode, for example, or whether you like the musical, for example, <laughs> and want to cover more of it. So yeah, fountain of information. Should we go into the in-depth summary? Sounds good. Okay. So the show opens with Karnak, who is an animatronic fortune-telling puppet for the amusement amusement park ride, the Cyclone. So Karnak was designed to be able to tell the exact cause, time, and place of someone's death. And to be marketable to families and children at fairs, for example, Karnak was programmed to not be able to tell people like their actual fortune though it does know all that kind of information he just can't like verbally communicate it Mm -hmm. so Karna can also tell his own cause time and place of death and it reveals that it'll die in a little over an hour from a rat nibbling at its cables causing both of them to die on the spot During the time it has to be alive, Karnak will conjure and tell the tale of six teenagers from a small town called Uranium in Saskatchewan, Canada. All six were part of their chamber choir at their school, St. Cassian, and all died on September 14th in a tragic roller coaster accident. Um, After conjuring the children, Karnak explains the situation to them. The kids will compete to win a chance of getting their life back, essentially. Mm -hmm. Only one of them can be revived, though, so they have to choose pretty wisely. And to win, there is a prophecy. So the prophecy, according to Karnak, is the one who wants to win it the most shall redeem the loser in order to complete the whole. I thought they'll make it rhyme. I was hoping they'll make it rhyme. They did not make it rhyme. I know. <laughs> but that's by the by. <laughs> that's the thought I had exactly. I was right? like, okay, kind of like hoping or expecting like a, a poetry or some kind of riddle here. And and no. So yeah, I was like, okay. that, where's the rest of it? What do you mean? Just the whole. <laughs> what do you mean? 
Um, so yeah, after that prophecy, the kids are introduced one by one. So we have Ocean, Constance, Noel, Ricky, Misha, and Jane Doe. So Jane was decapitated during the accident. Her body was found, but not her head. Side note, just imagine what an unpleasant surprise years down the line that would be to like whomever will find her head, just like a decapitated head. Because if he had to conjure them, I'm guessing that like there is some kind of like element of time travel and maybe like years have passed in the original timeline mm-hmm. and there's just this random poor person stop, who like, stop. <laughs> finds what a captain head of a child. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and you don't know what kind of condition that head will be anyway um (laughs) i hope nobody is eating while listening to us oh my god (laughs) um so yeah because of that nobody could actually identify her body and no parents stepped forward to claim her either and i read only the synopsis of the prequel legoland there is some kind of explanation that could be of reason why no parents stepped forward but anyway um so jane has no memory of who she was and goes by jane doe and for the people who'd like to visualize her who are listening to us the way i interpreted it at least is that she has the head of a doll and she clutches actually like a decapitated doll in her hand Mm-hmm. so she she does have the hand the head of a doll right like that's that's the imagine oh my god poor jane she'll just like plopped out the head oh. of the doll and place it on her body um that's really sad that is really sad that is very very sad and she was like oh my god i don't know anything about myself and i just want to look like everybody else so let me do like the switcheroo real quick tragic <laughs> well you say it like that <laughs> okay <laughs> Um, so yeah, after that, we have the kids introducing themselves one by one through song. So that's the portion that's like really similar, for example, to Spelling Bee. And that was also a competition now that I think about it. But I'll also summarize like who they are very, very briefly, just like in key character traits. So it will be easier to follow along later. Mm-hmm. But we'll start with Ocean. She's like very ruthless and ambition, ambition, ambitious. She is the president of the choir. When you think Ocean, think maybe like Rachel Berry from Glee, maybe Rachel Berry and Quinn Fabray if they had like a love child or something, but mainly Rachel. Then we have Noel, who is her arch nemesis. He is the only openly gay resident in Uranium, and he's desperately trying to leave Uranium to go to France. Ocean's best friend is Constance who is the nicest girl in Uranium. And then we have Ricky and Misha. Ricky has a degenerative disease and in the real world, he's not able to speak. And he also walks on crutches. And Misha is a Ukrainian rapper and kind of like a notorious troublemaker. And then from here, we have our in-depth introduction to the characters. So the first one up is Ocean. Ocean is a Capricorn. Something that I really liked about this musical Listen, I don't actually believe in Zodiac much. Clay and I were just discussing Zodiacs before starting to record. I don't believe in Zodiacs much, but I really enjoy them. Just like I enjoy all these like character quizzes. I just like to know more about myself, even if it's completely bullshit. So I really like that they did like all the signs for all the kids. Out of complete, complete disrespect, they have no Taurus and they have no Cancer. Yeah. So who are we supposed to see ourselves in? 
That is true. That is true. But do you know any Capricorn, for example? Like I do. You... Okay. So maybe you can like sort of like feel related to the character or the musical or whatever. I mean, I know, except maybe a Scorpio. I know every single like sign in real life. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Like you don't have a Car- a Capricorn in your life. I do, but Scorpio, and I think the other one, Pisces. Yeah. I knew a Pisces. I never... Nothing like novel. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Oh, Interesting it's... story. I sense a story there, but okay. Oh, no, 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 no. Just uh, Pisces. Actually, it's, it's really interesting because at least from what I know about Pisces, Pisces are supposed to be like really sweet. And there's nothing that signifies Noel isn't sweet except for like, you know, his character song that's very edgy, I suppose. <laughs> But Capricorn is supposed to, sorry, not Capricorn. Pisces are supposed to be like very sweet and emotional and like gentle and all that kind of stuff. And I don't get that vibe from him at all. Oh, uh, okay. Do you think out of the people you know in real life, the characters who have the same sign it follows or no? Kind of. Really? Especially the Capricorn. <gasps> I really want to know who's the <laughs> It's my mom. <laughs> no, oh my god. So funny. I actually made a note of all the zodiac um things that they talk about in the show too because mm-hmm. I literally wrote, "Do you know any Capricorn? Like apparently they're very ambitious and bracket my mom is one." Law and that's the my note. <laughs> yeah, Capricorn is supposed to be a little bit like vicious. I think because they're an earth sign, I believe they're like very determined can be materialistic a little bit headstrong they like money that's like what i've heard about capricorn um so i think maybe they chose wisely for ocean because she kind of embodies- oh they definitely <laughs> take that into account for sure yeah so ocean is a capricorn she is the ambitious nature She was born to a family of far-left humanists who moved to uranium to live a carbon-free lifestyle. Love that for them. She is a straight-A student and the president of their high school. In her song, Ocean sings about how she's the most likely to succeed out of the group, while the rest of them won't amount to anything and won't go anywhere. And after Ocean finishes her song, Karnak lets the group know that the decision would be made by a unanimous vote. So basically perhaps maybe and i'm just throwing it out there uh bashing everybody to make yourself seem better wasn't the best strategy on her behalf <laughs> and she does recognize that to her uh, to her benefit so ocean quickly tries to schmooze with like the other students but it doesn't work very well and in the end she tries performing another song about how much she loves everyone but is cut by noel who is performing his own song So Noel is a Pisces, as we mentioned, which apparently is the sign of passion. Did not expect that. I would assume like a fire sign would be like a sign of passion, no? I guess. I guess not. But, <laughs> but I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his mom realized early on that he's gay and that he is a fan of anything nihilistic. Noel also has severe daddy issues um, that... Did you see the short YouTube clips of Me to the Characters? No. Okay, interesting. So his dad like left early on and he kind of expected his mom to like be crestfallen and to like be really shattered about this but instead she just took like aerobics classes in the mall um so that was really really fun but 
Noel likes French new wave cinema and got suspended for quoting Waiting for Godot during a nativity pageant. Mm -hmm. And he believes that he was born in the wrong town, the wrong country, and the wrong era. Currently, he works at Taco Bell at the mall just outside of town to save up money and move to France. And Noel sings about how he wants to be like an alcoholic addicted to several substances. I think he mentioned opium as well. French prostitute in post-war France. And he has a name for her, Monique Chabot. And she will lead like the most tragic but very exciting life. I think he has like a quote to the pastor who is like asking, do you want like, uh, what are your last words before you die? And he's like, just like you, I prefer to uh, burn out rather than like fizzle away or something like that. And I thought it was very good. <laughs> I think he's a very interesting character, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll go into more like death and more things about the characters in general, but I thought when he shows up and when he says that and he started his song I was like whoa this is nothing like what I expected you know that performance oh my goodness (laughs) it's like another level this is exactly the reason why you said the viewing experience is so much better than just listening to the cast album oh 100% um and I guess we'll talk about it a little bit more later but yeah completely different and would highly recommend just viewing it if you can um after Noel we have Misha Misha is a Leo sign of aggression which I tell to my sister every single day (laughs) (laughs) love you Emma (laughs) but it's true Misha was conceived just outside of Odessa, Ukraine, by a factory worker who, after being part of the cleanup crew for Chernobyl, uh, was dying of uranium exposure. Kind of ironic that he's going to a town called Uranium. In order to keep Misha safe, his mom decided to put him up for adoption, but she actually lied that he was two years old when actually he's a teenager. So his adoptive, we don't actually know how how many actually did they say in the past minute? But we don't know how old he was when he was given up for adoption. I don't think that much time has passed, but I think enough time has passed for him to like be kind of used to uranium, have his routine, know English like really, like really, really well and stuff like that. So I'm assuming it was like at least a year. Do you have like any headcanon for that? I think it is but I had no idea like I can't tell for sure Mm -hmm. I don't think he moved before like 15 or 14 or anything like that so maybe two to three years but that's just what I think so Mm -hmm. his adoptive parents um were very disappointed (laughs) and they kept him in the basement and had as little contact with him as humanly possible and as outlet to his rage Misha turned to hip-hop and rap and he uploaded his raps to YouTube where he met his fiance a Ukrainian girl named Talia because she left him mostly positive reviews He only met Talia online and never in person, but Misha was saving up to move back to Ukraine to kind of be with the love of his life, which is Talia. At the end of his song, Talia, um, to Talia, Karnak asks Misha if he'd like to know what would have happened if Misha met her. And at first Misha says yes, but Noel convinces him to refuse because it's better to have the fantasy than a disappointing reality and he and Noel and 
honestly, Ocean is the one who said the quote. So I don't know why it was attributed to Noel, but they say something like love conquers all. And it mm-hmm. really touched Misha very deeply. Again, Ocean is the one who said it, but all the credit went to Noel. Anyway, pretty much everybody in the group thinks that Misha is being catfished, by the way. So just mm-hmm. the, that's a good to know. Mm-hmm. After... <laughs> After him, we have Ricky. Ricky is a Gemini, the dual nature. I think the representation of Gemini is somewhat true. Like the Gemini I know in my life is the sweetest person. And Ricky, despite having a very imaginative nature, uh, seemed like the nicest person there. I don't know if you had a similar experience with a Gemini. Um, that just say it's not the best experience, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't know. Like the Gemini I met in my life, she used to be my best friend from middle school, but she's a very sweet person. Don't get me wrong, but like she can be very tough to be with sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, I imagine it's not the same with obviously every Gemini, but that just my experience. <laughs> yeah. I think that maybe speaks to the dual nature portion of it, what you just said. (laughs) probably. Yeah. Most definitely, actually. Oh, okay. There we have it. Um, So yeah, as we said earlier, Ricky was born with a rare degenerative degenerative disease that took his ability to talk and also made his knees buckle. And because of that, he needs crutches to walk. His family in solidarity took a vow of silence and made their own unique sign language to communicate with one another, which I think is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Ricky was kind of indifferent to his surrounding from a young age and instead let his imagination run wild. And he kind of like built a world in his mind where he is kind of like his own best friend. And he also developed his own religion. And his song is dedicated to him being a war hero and sex god in a world with cat-human hybrids. Very interesting (laughs) again. Um, Definitely like the craziest number in the entire show. And there are some crazy numbers in this show, in my opinion. So that being said, considering his family has like 14 cats, I'd be a little bit concerned about his line of thinking and imaginations, but we'll put that aside. (laughs) And after finishing his song, Ricky concedes from the competition because the only commandment in his religion is to not be a dick and choosing himself would be a dick move. So he can't win anyway. Um, Jane goes after Ricky. Jane's birthday is unknown because Karnak didn't read her fortune and there is absolutely nothing known about her anyway. Um, she sings about the agony of not knowing who she is and where her soul lies and the students throw a birthday party because for all they know it could be Jane's birthday that day and just like nobody knows and just to show character development this whole thing was Ocean's idea and meanwhile to kind of continue with the birthday theme Ricky gives her kind of like a birthday present and he gives her the name Savannah which is a name he's been saving we don't know for what to use instead of Jane Doe, just to give her a little bit more characterization to herself and more of an identity. At the birthday celebration, there's a lot of like bonding happening. So Rick and Savannah, Jane, 
what what have you. Uh, you also have Nisha and Noel bonding. They have a heart to heart over a drink. I think it was vodka. I'm not sure. Misha thanks Noel for saying the phrase "love conquers all" that we discussed before, and Noel thanks Misha for drinking with him first and kissing him during um, his song about being like the French prostitute. And Misha affirms that in his opinion, Noel's life was the most tragic of all, and that really really cheers Noel's up. Um, I mean, it was so sweet. It was a really it, really sweet yeah, moment. It was a really cute moment too. I love seeing that. Right. Speaking of cute moments, we have the opposite, <laughs> um, depending on how you interpret it, I guess. But Constance and Ocean have a heart-to-heart of their own, during which Ocean proves, once again, that she's a bad friend. Um, however, this time, Constance actually stands up for herself and punches Ocean in the boob. She sings her solo right after. So we find out Constance is a Scorpio. And as we covered up, neither of us know a Scorpio in real life. Scorpio, apparently, is the secret nature. And we learned that the cyclone was her favorite ride, which I thought was really, really interesting. The highest accolade she ever received was the nicest girl in homeroom. And she received that accolade three years in a row, um, which she actually really resented. She didn't like the award and she didn't like being the nicest girl in town. So before I didn't mention it, but it was alluded and confirmed in here that Constance is the only one of the teens to not die a virgin. So how she actually lost her virginity, uh, it was three hours prior to dying to a carny. I think he was 32, which is just gross, but anyway. And it was in a porta potty before, so the three hours before dying. And the reason for doing that is because she wanted to lose it in the worst possible way. Her family owned the Blackwood Cafe on Uranium for generations, essentially. And during high school, Constance started feeling really ashamed that her family never did anything more than just owning that cafe and they never wanted to do anything more. So for them, and pretty much only them from how they describe, they're completely content with staying in that small town for their entire lives. So when she rode the cyclone with the rest of the group, and the accident happened to her, she felt really excited rather than terrified because at that time, right before dying, she learned to truly appreciate the simple things in life and also uranium as a town, uh, which I think was a really beautiful moment. After Constance's song, Karnak announces it's time for the final vote. He said that the final vote is actually up to the one with the highest GPA, which is Ocean, and Ocean alone. So no more unanimous voting. She has five minutes to decide because Karnak will die right after. And Ocean chooses Jane to go back to life because she has no good memories or experiences to speak of, unlike the rest of them. We find out Jane's real name is Penny Lamb. She is an Aries. The lucky nature. I actually don't know an Aries either, but that's by the by. Do you know an Aries? Oh, I do. That's my dad. Oh, okay. Do you think, I mean, you don't really know how Penny is like in real life, I suppose, based on this. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to speak of. It's but... difficult, definitely. But I don't think my dad's very lucky. Ah. <laughs> for the reference. Um, Apparently, so I think it. they're known for being very... Um, emotionally unstable like oh. having bad temper that's what I heard at least I think that's true for. <laughs> for my dad <laughs> interesting but yeah she's an Aries I don't know if a sign can be lucky but if they are that's her and apart from that after she goes to the beyond to continue her life going back to Karnak and the rest of the group he doesn't know what will happen 
to the rest of the kids once he dies and because of that the ending is left pretty ambiguous but hopeful like the tone of everything ending is very very hopeful but you don't know what's going to happen next at all um i've seen several suggestions bouncing around i have a few of my own theories as well um but i'd be really really curious if we do get a sequel to this sometime in the future what is planned Mm -hmm. so that's an in-depth summary of ride a cyclone so how do you want to tackle the next part claire um i have an idea maybe we can start by songs like we can oh okay i'm excited to go back to old traditions (laughs) yeah do you have a favorite song oh we're going with that yes i do um my favorite song it's not gonna be super original um it's gonna be the ballad of jane doe (laughs) okay me too yeah it's pretty much everyone's favorite song from what I understand it's a show-stopping moment for sure sure. um another one that I think deserves a special mention that I particularly liked is Talia I thought it was a very good song too Mm, my second favorite is Sugar Cloud really okay that's really interesting I can totally see myself singing the song to be honest because the ballad of Jane Doe is too difficult to sing oh yeah it's like an opera I think the person who is Jane Doe like in any production they're trained in opera too um I would be surprised yeah that song is crazy especially that during the song they're lifted in the air they have like some kind of a lift and they're turned upside down and she still sings when she's upside down in the air which is crazy crazy in my opinion um an amazing performance really and even from the beginning like the first thing we see I know I mentioned Karnak to begin with just because it wasn't relevant to the plot but the first thing we actually see is Jane Doe's body without the head so even though this is like a small production I would say just because it never got like you know a Broadway release I was on off-Broadway very very briefly mm-hmm. um the budget on this or just the production value is very high and it's very very impressive they don't have a lot of cast members I think they probably have seven maybe maybe eight if you're including the rat um cast members and they have I think a four-man band to do all the instrumentation so very very small in terms of the amount of people who are on stage or are involved during the actual performance and the value on the animatronic for Karnak and the value for the lift and Jane and all the costuming they have a lot of costume changes for a 90 minute show and for a 90 minute show that is like relatively small as well very very impressive like if I think about other other like shows that are smaller I don't think we've seen as much like costuming and or or as much like details into the set like with the puppets and with like the makeup even too yeah murder for two (laughs) murder for two (laughs) is something else um even like Jane Doe like they gave her like contacts that are completely black to cover like the whitening eye Mm -hmm. um to make her look more doll-like and more creepy. Like there is a high amount of attention to details I found. Mm-hmm. That is true. You can see like they definitely put a lot of care and attention to details into this one, which is why it's so good. Like even though it's short and even though it's like, I guess can't say low budget, but like <laughs> it doesn't require a lot of cast members. Like it's so neat. So I think the fact that they decided to have a recording is definitely the right decision because the viewing experience is definitely something else. So I don't think this is actually um, a proper pro shot. I think mm-hmm. this is something that was kept 
I think we talked about it before. I don't know if it was on like live on the show, whatever, but every recording of like off-Broadway, Broadway will get its own taping of the show and then they're kept in like a special library. So I think this is what it was and that's what was released because if it was something like a very sneaky little pro shot you wouldn't be able to have such good clarity and zooming into like the faces and stuff like that and as high quality of video as what we saw so I think somebody just like managed to get a hold of the recording they had I don't know if the production itself released it I'd be really really happy if they did because I think it will help a lot of people see the show and it already has a cult following it will only grow that way but yeah, I think, I hope, I really, really hope that they decide, we're the one to decide to release the recording. Um, but it's funny that you said Sugar Cloud, because out of all of these, on the first few times that I listened to it, Sugar Cloud was the only one I couldn't remember. Really? Yeah. I like it now, mm-hmm. but... As a character, I connected least to Constance, and she was the one, her song was the one I remembered the least. I really remembered her monologue. Her monologue was really, really well done, and it was very hard-hitting. It was superb, but the song itself, it took me a while to remember it. I guess that's fair. For me, the the one that I remember the most um, after I guess the first lesson was Ocean Song oh yeah yeah it was really catchy I thought it was really funny too um, and the one that I still can't remember quite well is uh is Ricky songs oh really yeah <laughs> do yeah. you remember how it looks like visually because I think that yeah, be definitely <laughs> that left a very strong impression let me tell you that but <laughs> I think it's because that it was so abstract like it was very it was a lot (laughs) that I don't like it too much so I don't really remember it Mm, that's fair yeah I I thought that for sure you would have a problem with Ricky's song and also with with Misha's song the rap Mm -hmm. one the song is awesome I was like these two are gonna be very iffy with Claire (laughs) the rap is actually kind of funny because I listened to it the first time I didn't like it quite well and then on my second run through so you know how like we watched this like three weeks ago so I tried to just rewatch this whole thing very quickly once again before we record the episode and so I watched everything on like 1.5 speed and the rap actually sounds so good oh my god really okay (laughs) I recommend you to give it a try Okay, that is interesting. Interesting to hear. I should give it a 1.5 listen through. I've watched (laughs) the entire thing like three times just to make sure that I remember everything for the episode, take notes and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, for me, I don't know why. I think Sugar Cloud is a good song. It just was less memorable to me. Honestly, not even just on the first listen through, on the first few listen through. And even like seeing the entire thing visually it was still a little bit difficult for me to remember until like quite considerably more Mm. into my listen visually it's not much like visually it's not that impressive if you compare it with like the ballad of Jane Doe or Mm -hmm. honestly like every other song probably it's it's a very personal song and I think that it's meant to be like that so I didn't mind it but I can understand where you're coming from. Like, it's definitely not that memorable, but I just think it's a very good song. Oh, I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah. Um, what do you think about Karnak's Dream of Life? So it's not a full-fledged song. It's kind of like a beginning and it 
is also part of the Ballad of Jane Doe later on. But what do you think of it as a beginning as an opener? I personally find it a little bit creepy, to be honest. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is the reason why I was really drawn to this to mm-hmm. be honest, because I guess when we decided to do this one, I heard Canadian, I heard murder, and I was like, okay, this is my thing. Um, but I didn't really know what to expect. And this first number was definitely weird. Like, yeah. it's a very weird, non-traditional opener for a musical. And I love that. I thought I would hate it, to be honest, but it really? was actually so interesting. I thought I would hate it because it was so non-traditional. And mm-hmm. you know how passionately I feel about having a very traditional musical opener so I thought that I wouldn't enjoy it but it's actually so interesting like it's interesting in a very good way you know what yeah. to say that but I think you like a lot of the non-traditional musicals That's also true. <laughs> that we covered I mean of the musicals that we covered that were non-traditional you also had quite a fair few that you hated like you really didn't like Ghost Quartet I remember you obviously didn't like Murder for Two but some of the non-traditional musicals that we had like twisted like this one you enjoyed quite a little quite a bit yeah yeah I don't mind I don't know if you listen did you listen to the yeah you definitely did listen to the cast recording first right yeah um (laughs) you know how like it broke the the fourth wall with the with the listener yeah I love that it was so creepy because I was just kind of like doing my thing and I play in the background and literally like once I started paying attention to the lyrics it's like oh this is probably the number you're gonna skip or whatever I'm like oh my god holy shit what the fuck Um, (laughs) and I think once I started watching the recording I come with the expectation that this is going to be something different Mm -hmm. and yeah it is something different and it's in a good way I think did you benefit from watching it in person well not in person but live I suppose compared to listening to it because I'm gonna be very truthful when I listened to it I was like oh you know the songs are good they're catchy like you I immediately remembered um ocean song what the world needs and the Jane the ballad of Jane Doe also very memorable um Noel's Lament that hit very hard because like that is the most terrifying thing that I've ever heard in my life and he's singing about it longingly just <laughs> thing so that is also memorable for that reason and I thought Talia was just like a beautiful beautiful song just like listening to it I didn't necessarily remember it but I was struck by its beauty pretty immediately so I thought the music was very good but I was like oh you know the concept seems a little bit iffy and some of the songs are less memorable even though everybody in the cast is strong I don't know about this one but then watching it I was really blown away so was it similar experience to you like you're like oh maybe I'm not too too into it listening to it at first and then when you watched it was a different experience or was it kind of like the same all throughout for you I'm gonna be very honest I didn't actually complete listening to the full album oh <laughs> I listened we were to supposed me- to only do I album. know I know um but I didn't have time so I was like okay I'm just gonna you know it, it's not a lot of songs anyway so yeah. I was gonna wait uh and so I only listened to the first couple of songs I think up until maybe Misha's song that was it and then you messaged me like oh there's a recording so I'm like okay cool so everything after that I watched it through the recording first Mm -hmm. um and then I go back to listen to the the recording okay and I said recording twice but I hope you know what I mean yeah, for me, like the viewing experience definitely reaches its peak when the Ballad of Jingdo happened and when she started flying. 
because that was like really a mind-blowing moment for me interesting I mean I agree with you in terms of visuals the Ballad of Jane Doe is stunning I think the peak for me was either the birthday uh, scene that they had or Sugar Cloud just because I think the birthday scene is where they had a lot of character development for everybody so I think arguably Ocean is the protagonist of this musical just because everything comes down to her this is her final um choice and she's the only one who has character development in here so a lot of character development that we see from ocean a lot of smaller but intimate interactions between the different characters so you get to see how misha and noel have like a really beautiful blossoming friendship you get like the really cute scene between ricky and jane which is really really sweet and you also get a little bit of actually quite a bit of character development from constance as well standing up for herself against ocean so that was really really a highlight for me and I watched, um, I think it was like a podcast, but I watched it on YouTube. And one of them mentioned something that I thought was really, really nice. I forgot the name of it. I need to find it. Um, and I'll probably mention it later if, if I can. Mm-hmm. But they mentioned that except for Constance, all the other kids think about like wishes that they had and maybe fantasies that they had. And he went ahead and listed like, oh, you know, Ocean's fantasy is to be like uber successful and to get out of uranium. And obviously Noel's fantasy is to be um, the French prostitute and Misha's fantasy is to be with Talia in Ukraine and Ricky, his entire thing is a fantasy. And then Jane just wants to know who she is and where her soul is. And then you get to Sugar Cloud, which is a moment where you are content with who you are. I think we get that moment from Ricky, but not in a song form when he concedes from the competition but you get that in a song form in sugar cloud and i think that's why it's the finale and Mm -hmm. i completely agree with that sentiment i think it's really really brilliant and even though i mentioned like oh you know i like constance or it took me a little bit of a time to warm up to constance she also has a quite a beautiful arc in here that definitely serves an emotional highlight within the musical All right. So what do you think? Maybe we could go character by character. So you mentioned that you were not a big fan of Ocean. I think I only have my reservation about her because that she seems to be like the very outspoken one Mm -hmm. at first. And usually because I'm not like the person who would be any kind of leader in a group that I just find that oh she's not the same as me you know so it's not like necessarily like I hate her or anything but I just find that she's very different from Mm -hmm. the person I am yeah a hundred percent I love Ocean I mean I always like characters like this she's very Rachel Berry as I said before oh yeah and I I do see a lot of myself in Ocean as well not necessarily how she treats constant but like you know being like very driven or being very blunt stuff like that um definitely something that I see in me so I like her a lot I like that she's driven I like that she's like the white sheep of her family which is found really funny like imagine her surviving in that kind of like hippie commune her parents seem to be from like I have no idea how she lives her day-to-day life I have no (laughs) idea why they enroll her I'm guessing it's the only school in town because I cannot for the life of me imagine like super left-leaning hippie humanist people like family enrolling her in catholic school which is like more rigid usually and has a lot more rules and regulations and they also made her enroll in like um 
confirmation and a book mitzvah doesn't seem right. So there is some kind of character inconsistencies, in my opinion. The Buddhist part seems more fitting what she's like trying to describe in terms of like the three religions. So mm-hmm. I don't know, but I'd love to see like, just like a sequel about her family. <laughs> um, I think it will be hilarious. I really, really like seeing her character growth. And I also like that it's not linear. So after she has like the growth when she throws the birthday party and she writes the birthday song to Jane Doe, she has like a fall in which she disparages like Constance a lot and Constance stands up for herself, which is when she gets her own moment. And it's also really interesting that she seems to go after people who she knows are not going to say anything to her. Like Constance is definitely shown as more of a follower in here who her catchphrase after all is sorry, right? Mm-hmm. So it seems like she specifically releases her aggressions on Constance rather than somebody like Noel, for example, who stands up to her constantly and multiple times. And when she did try to take his spotlight, he's like, get away from me or keep it in your pants, you like horrible succubus, whatever. Um, So I'm really, really interested as to what in her personality makes her specifically go to Constance. And it's also interesting that she's the one who brought Ricky to the group. So she's the one who bullied him into coming um, to the choir, maybe because they need a certain amount of people. He can't even say no. He can't speak or anything like that. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I, I love that moment when, right? when she was like, oh, I made you, I introduced you to the choir, even though you can't speak. And, and he goes like, yeah. And, and that made me like write the cyclone. And she had nothing to say to that. She was like, okay, <laughs> moving on, next person. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and her song is so fun. Like, I really, really like her song. And it's the most, me- like, either the most or one of the most memorable there. Um, it really, like, fits her vibe because her kind of, like, awakening moment is when she found this, like, super energetic, optimistic, what is it called, like, happy consumerist something I didn't remember how he described it like CD where everything is like very rose colored and um her song is very much that it's like the most quintessential quintessential pop you can get the most happy you can get and in that happy peppy very very memorable um song she says some really obnoxious awful things that everybody talks to her about afterwards so I think it fits her character really well I vibe with that kind of character in general so yeah like Ocean a lot mm-hmm. how about Noel Noel's an interesting one because I find him very hard to understand. Yeah. <laughs> like the whole idea of wanting to be a prostitute in like post-war Paris, it's, I don't know. Like I have never heard that from anyone before. So it's definitely much more, much harder to relate to compared to Ocean. But I love the song. I love the fact that he's so open about it too. Yeah, I think it's just like very safe for him to say that in his own fantasy world, his own idea of how everything would go like. He doesn't really know. Like we see how sheltered he is as a person. He never even drank before in his fantasy of being like a French prostitute. He's like in love with an alcoholic and he is an alcoholic and addicted to opium and very, very sick and dies from like, what is it? Yellow fever or something like that. I don't know. Um, So something bizarre. And he in general is like in a very, very 
supportive seems like a small town where nothing happens just like his way to probably unwind and go a little bit crazy and show his individuality mm-hmm. um but yeah he's a very funny character for the life of me I can't bring myself to sing any of it because every single time I start to like vocalize some of the words I was like knock on wood no <laughs> let me throw salt behind me I don't want anything of that to happen I'm not speaking it into the universe this is literally like most people's idea of a nightmare of the scariest thing that could happen to them and he's like yeah let's do that it's kind of like reminding me of the people who are like really into serial killers and they're like in love with serial killers like that's the vibe I'm getting from that song you know a a little bit yeah definitely (laughs) um but that song is a showstopper so apparently the actor who played Noel um I don't remember his name but his act like the the actor for his character he is the only one who stayed from the very very beginning until 2016 and I think probably later um than what we saw so he's been there from like the get-go which is really interesting and apparently he grew up with the role a lot and he's very familiar with and you can see he's very comfortable in his performance because that's a very very daring performance like he has this um catholic boy uniform and he strips down and he has like a very small little black nighty and stockings that go up high with like a girder and stuff like that and he's very comfortable in that outfit he sells it 100 that french like the french black bob suits him really really well i have to say i was kind of jealous i know can pull it off. i know i'm like whoa he should be but- thinking about like making this permanent exactly like that's a look for you just so you know (laughs) and um you know the the dance is really really well done and he sings while dancing a very demanding like choreography I'd have to say he has a kissing scene with Misha that you would expect all of it to be fantasy because for example after Ricky has his scene nobody mentions like oh you know it was kind of weird that I acted as a cat because whenever Uh, every character gets like their solo to shine the other people act as like background character and act along with their um fantasy so in this case Misha is kind of like one of the clients or men that she's in love with and leaves her or whatnot Mm -hmm. so yeah just like it's a really good number Mm -hmm. but terrifying (laughs) but terrifying (laughs) no I get it (laughs) Okay, how about Misha? Misha is the sweetest person, honestly. They I love him. Multiple people who are the sweetest person somehow. And Misha is definitely one of them, despite his exterior. I know. I love him. He's such a good character. I love how he treats other people. Like, how he is able to literally, like, really respecting other people in the choir. Like, you get to see that even though that he has that... I don't give a fuck that kind of exterior like he's such a sweet and kind person and I'm always like falling for that type of character I think the fact that he chose rap for his song I think also fits his personality really really well I'm kind of surprised that he is not the Gemini because I think everything about him would suit the Gemini better he has the dual nature of like the rough exterior and then the very very sweet interior and he has two songs in here again to show that kind of Gemini behavior so maybe it would have made of him the Gemini Mm, that's an interesting point I think Gemini definitely suits him too but Leo he is definitely a a very great example of Leo so I can (laughs) I can see why they chose Leo for for Misha 
but you also have a very good point but you know what leos are also leaders and i could totally see him being a leader i can't see ocean as being a leader i see her as being like a great support and mm-hmm. the person who kind of like pulls behind the scene but she is a very unlikable person to everybody around her and in order to make it into politics like she wanted to be the prime minister for example you need to be likable and she is not that meanwhile you, no, you need to be popular you sorry, need to be popular just... and you also need to be likable to an extent I oh suppose. no sorry i just wanted to like slice in the yeah. reference but okay <laughs> oh that's what you meant yeah that's what you i meant should, you should pop you like <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so she needs to be popular she needs to be um likable and she's neither of those things meanwhile misha is popular is likable he has like kind of a very charming personality that could be leading like noel can be too niche and ricky the same and then constance is too timid jane doe doesn't really have much of a personality at this point so i could totally see misha is stepping up to that role oh for sure so he'll be a good one too exactly very understanding and the fact that he is able to accept like other people in the in the choir makes him a great leader already. hundred so, percent. Yeah. Um, and yeah, going back to Ocean, actually, would you have chosen her based on her speech? No. Or her soul? <laughs> you wouldn't have? No. Would you? Honestly, out of those six, yeah, I probably would have. Really? <laughs> Just because she has some compelling points, you know? <laughs> um, I can't see like... I wouldn't say her life is more valuable, but she has more of a chance to make a difference compared to the other ones. I don't know. Like, even if that's true, I think the fact that she herself said that makes me don't want to vote for her. Mm, I see. You're going with like, she should have gone with the reverse psychology strategy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which she did in the beginning. And then he's like, oh, you're forfeiting then? And she's like, no, I'm no. not forfeiting <laughs> um but yeah I think based on what she's saying I kind of I either would have chosen her or maybe Constance or Misha but the thing is Misha choosing Misha is a huge risk because it is possible that he would be up to like not so good things like the reason why he's in the choir in the first place is because he was mandated to be in the choir because he stole communion wine um so that shows like iffy behavior Constance I believe could have had a good life especially after she had that epiphany in when she rode the cyclone um but apart from her you know Noel wants to be a fucked up French girl Ricky Ricky has difficulty in the real world and we don't know how long much longer he has to live yeah even just the fact that he's able to um have like a healthy body in this world I think I don't know I mean obviously I can't speak for him but Mm -hmm. he'd probably be happier yeah, no. I don't know about that. Like, I was kind of happy that they didn't go with that route with Ricky because um, neither of us are like people with disabilities. So That's I don't know true. how that would go. Um, but I feel like, oh, you know, being completely healthy and stuff like that is such a huge plus for him. Um, necessarily, like, I'm glad they didn't focus on that, but they instead they focus on his more imaginative nature and the reason why he decided to forfeit his like 
I don't know, his candidacy, <laughs> if you want to put it that way, Sidney <laughs> Hamilton, um, is because it like the religion that he made up. I'm glad that it did that way rather than saying like, oh, you know, people with disabilities, their life are worth less in, in a way. So I thought it was actually. Oh, really no, no that's, that's not what no, I, I know. I know, I know, like, I, know, yeah. I, know. <laughs> I know that's not what you're saying. I'm not saying that it is. But uh, I just thought it was a good opportunity to say that I'm glad they didn't go that route. Okay. And speaking of like, there is so much representation in this small musical with like literally seven people on the cast um I was really really blown away like they have people with disabilities they have people with like uh, who are part of the LGBTQ community Mm -hmm. and they have like people of color and everything so it's really really cool that they still have the ability to showcase that with a smaller cast that's true that's true and when you think about yeah I know right and when you think about it like a lot of it was really early on like if the musical debuted in 2018 sorry 2008 and the changes that were made were not like changes to like the character to become disabled or the character to become lgbtq i think uh that's that's really really like progressive of them which is neat mm-hmm. um but yes misha do you think because this is something that i thought before when i watched it the first time and then um that youtuber the most british american um she said the same thing do you think that noel is catfishing misha oh hmm i don't know (laughs) i don't know do you think so i think there is a chance because he leapt on that thread real quick when karnak suggested for um Misha to find out what would happen if he met Talia in real life and you know what the other time that Karnak like intervened is when they were all saying like oh we're dying virgins or whatever and then he's like Constance do you have anything to add so and she said like no so I feel like he's kind of like fucking with uh, with them in a way and maybe Noel was catfishing Misha I hope not and maybe like the Uh, reason why he's also nicer to him is because he feels guilty because Misha just had this most heartfelt song about his love for Talia and that guilt could be like in there in a way okay 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 that's a that's interesting I don't know I never thought about that but yeah I hope not you okay so for me it popped up like right away as soon as like Noel intervened and he said like no 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 no, you don't want to know Uh Um, I was like, oh, you know, he's probably catfishing him. (laughs) I mean, obviously nothing is confirmed, right? So it's like a hypothesis, but it's like when they brought it up in the play, I was like, oh, I really think that's the case. And then I heard somebody else like, oh, and I was like, thank you, vindication. So I was curious (laughs) if you also like, did you think he was catfished at all? Or do you think like that it's completely authentic and there is this girl named Talia from Kiev in Ukraine and we'll have like a wonderful romance together? had my suspicion but then the song totally like makes me want to believe that it's true oh 100 so right now I'm just I feel like I'm so biased to the point that I just want to overlook the possibility of like oh maybe this is all a lie and stuff so yeah but I mean obviously that's a possibility I really hope not yeah I really really hope not I think Talia is such a gorgeous song. And this is also the first song when they really, really utilized the projector. They had beautiful scenes showcasing Talia. And they had like a really nice moment where they showcased Talia and like a Ukrainian dance or just her on the girl's skirts, Mm -hmm. which I thought was really, really nice. 
Um, okay, so this one, Ricky, it's not a very important to the plot oh, no. per se, or even very important to his characterization. I think maybe it gives us a little bit of reasoning as to why he concedes, but it's just an awesome song. It leaves a very strong impression of who he is. It has interesting lore about his universe, about his religion, about the cat people hybrid, and how he's like solving the sweetest person solving everything through like love and he wants to like put emphasis on peace and he's a very gentle person and kind person by nature which is why I found it very surprising that people say like he was indifferent to everything I was like that doesn't seem right with the compassionate sweet Ricky that we see the entire musical really Mm -hmm. so I thought that was kind of like interesting that they mention it I have no idea why they decide that he was indifferent to everything but I did think it was out of character just based on what I saw mm-hmm. um I also thought it was really really cute when he's like going behind the curtain he's like it gets weird now and then he <laughs> shows up in like the full costume change where he has like this leotard with like a chiseled abs <laughs> and, I love that yeah and like full-on cat people and Daleks going around from Doctor Who and it just was so well fitting to who he is as a person so endearing and sweet and the number itself is very like rock and roll which suits like the character based on the story that he's telling like being this larger than life protagonist who is like the savior of everybody and kind of like a sex god and stuff like that it really really like fits the image that he wants to project in his mind and that was really really cute I love that number yeah I have to say I think the number is really chaotic and it's really fun Um, and definitely watching it is so much better than listening to it But I have to say, I think as a character, I feel most distant from Ricky, probably. I don't know, because originally I thought I was going to be most distant from Noel. Like, considering, like, his dream and goals are so different from, I guess, normal people. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be like, okay, that's weird that I can't understand you. Which is also true. But for Ricky, I don't know. Maybe it's because, like, the fact that he comes up much later and... He, for me, he is a little bit overshadowed by, um, so Misha has a very strong number. He has one or two, if you count Talia, like very, um, very strong musical numbers. And then followed by that is Jing Do. So he's sort of like stuck in between. And I'm not saying that his numbers, it's not strong. It's definitely still very strong in terms of like the impression that it lasts. But it just, I feel like... I feel like his moment was kind of like taken away because of the things that is about to happen plot wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I don't know. I kind of hope that if his number were moved, for example, like maybe just one thing, like one number earlier, maybe I would have been feeling like I like him a little bit more as a character. Mm-hmm. I see. I see what yeah. you mean, like in terms of moving his number to have more of an impact on the number itself. But I think... If you consider the tone of the musical overall, the placement of his number is important to be there because you have the beautiful moment of Talia and then you have a little bit of a lighthearted moment with his crazy fantasy and then you have very hard hitting numbers like the Ballad of Jane Doe, the birthday song and Sugar Cloud. So kind of like the finale, which is very emotion heavy. 
Mm-hmm. So if you had Talia, which is also like a very sweet, sincere, beautiful number, and then also the emotional heavy stuff, it wouldn't balance all that well. It would be like the first half that is very no, that's a comical. Good point. Yeah. yeah, we need the emotional sandwich here. Exactly. Um, but I can see what you mean. It definitely leaves an impression visually. <laughs> we oh, can say that absolutely. That is something hard to forget. Yes, but you have a good point in terms of like the sound itself. Um, okay, so then we get to the big moment, which is the Ballad of Jane Doe. Do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, I think Jane Doe is that type of character that, you know, visually is scared. Like, she's, she kind of comes up as scared. Are you afraid of dolls? Yeah. Okay, Emma is too. Um, I didn't find her very scary. I found her, like, thrilling to look at, I suppose, in a way. But Seriously? Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not really scared of dolls, but I can imagine that if you have some kind of fear of dolls, she would be terrifying to look at. Oh, yeah, a little bit. So I, I didn't feel like I like her too much at first. I mean, obviously, I feel bad for her and all, but it's just a little bit creepy. And I think it was meant to be like that anyways. Mm-hmm. So when Constance in the beginning would be like, I'm just going to step a little bit further from you. I Literally, <laughs> that's me. That is me. But anyways, obviously, she has this beautiful, beautiful number. This moment is her moment. And it's absolutely a beautiful moment. So I definitely, definitely love it. Yeah, I think they really, really needed to make this song, like, amazing, because we don't know anything about Jane, really. Like, we have the sympathetic portion of it where they found her body, but not her head, stuff like that. But you don't really spend a lot of time to think about it, necessarily. Like, I kind of took it, oh, you know, this is meant to be creepy and scary, and her voice is weird, and she walks like a doll, and she talks weird, and all of that kind of thing. And she terrifies everybody who comes in contact with her. So this song needed to be really, really, really impactful for both us and the rest of the kids to want her to have an experience in life and to mm-hmm. survive the accident. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they went all out in terms of like the visuals and the song itself is crazy. Like this must be one of the most difficult songs we we like witnessed right because Mm. it's literally operatic and when you consider how they have to perform it which is upside down in the air um it's insane it's insane how talented the person who sings the song must be and how like such an amazing breath control and like just craftful at like what they're doing they must be so really really incredible and the other thing is like I found the lyrics were really nice in here they're very poetic and I think it fits with her character because I found that for Jane Doe a lot of the time they kind of go to the length of like nursery rhymes almost where things either rhyme with each other or they have kind of like a poeticness to them where you can see it being part of a story or a tale or like something that is directed towards children but with a very melancholic nihilistic edge to it Mm -hmm. um to have the creep factor so I thought it fit really well with who she is and um it's just an amazing show-stopping number without her having any like kind of impactful character moment like we don't get to learn more about her as a character we just get to see like the tragedy of being who she is and you really see the agony in her um Mm -hmm. so I really liked it Mm -hmm. oh that is beautifully said I like that yeah thank you the new birthday song honestly it's not a song (laughs) 
Um, but it's a beautiful moment, and we talked about it. It is plenty. a beautiful moment. Yeah, it's very yeah. sweet. It is totally. What do you think? This is something that I didn't think about before. Like I thought it was a little bit odd. The person that I watched, a YouTuber, she had a theory. I don't know if it's something that I saw, but I, it's a valid theory. Um, what do you think Ricky meant by giving her the name Savannah? Hmm. He said he was saving it and it can be hers if she'd like. Okay, so for me, I think he was saving it for his future partner. That's what I was thinking too. Like either a future fictional character that he had in his mind or maybe children or stuff like that. Just like somebody for the future because he is so aware of his own mortality from pretty much the age of six. So I can see him fantasizing about like, oh, you know, who's going to be his child or his partner or a character in his book that he wants to have maybe like the love interest to the protagonist in his mind for example that mm-hmm. wasn't introduced yet according to him mm-hmm. um her theory was that ricky is trans um and this was trans. going to be like okay. his new name um that's definitely not what i had in mind i, exp- I accept that as a headcanon i was curious if you thought along the line of what I thought which is yes so (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you saw what she saw as well okay so yeah after that we have sugar cloud I mentioned for me for you it was Ricky that was the most difficult to relate to for me it was Constance that was most difficult to relate to I have no idea why like by all metrics Constance is a pretty normal character but Um, maybe it's the way of like sabotaging her own life or like resenting being called nice stuff like that I can see where she's coming from and I think she's a very well-realized character I just for the life of me couldn't relate to her Um, it took me a little bit of a time to understand even her point of view so that was like my equivalent of Ricky um, for myself Mm -hmm. I like her monologue a lot like her monologue is one of the most beautiful moments in the entire production in my opinion and after I remembered her song well (laughs) I also liked her song and she is a very good character she's the only other character that has some kind of an arc in my opinion Mm -hmm. so um she's very very good I have no idea why it took me so long to relate to her or to like understand her but um yeah yeah definitely but I got there in the end how about Mm -hmm. you I don't really have a hard time understanding her or relating to her. I think Constance is is such a relatable character to, I guess, a lot of people. But I also see where you're coming from. I think for you, she's probably just a little bit... I think it just really comes down to the person, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I also like her monologue a lot. I think she has, like, younger brothers too, right? Mm -hmm. So... As, a, as an older sibling, I definitely feel like some of the things that she said like touches me as well. I think her song is a beautiful, beautiful piece. And honestly, her realization, like how she appreciates life and even the smallest thing before the end of her life mm-hmm. is also like some kind of like life philosophy like I try to have. So from that perspective, I find her very, very relatable. I like her a lot. Um, I think I see a lot of myself from her, like through her. Mm -hmm. So she's definitely probably the most um, relatable character that I find in in this entire show, probably. That's really sweet, actually. 
So that brings us to the finale, which is it's not a game. It's just a ride. I thought it was insanely catchy. I really liked it. I liked the open ended nature of it. Mm-hmm. Did you like the song? I find this song okay. Like it's not my favorite is not going to be my top five. Probably. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting end. Um, interesting way to end the musical for sure. I at first I actually hated the open ending because I'm like I want to know what happened um, <laughs> and I'm not that kind of person but I think after a while I learned to appreciate it and if like you said there's gonna be some, some some kind of sequel to this that makes a lot of sense why they decided to leave it this way so I learned to appreciate it for sure. I really wonder because if this came in 2008, the prequel came in 2000, came out in 2009, I believe. That's a long time for the last third, like third book or play or whatever piece not to come out. So I wonder if they'll actually have a sequel or another portion of this musical, like it was planned or not. I would love for it to have some because I'd be really, really eager to see it. Yeah. But I'm a little bit pessimistic. <laughs> <laughs> the future of that third and last piece mm-hmm. I actually really enjoyed I normally hate open-ended musicals I dislike them I like the closure yeah. in this case I like that it's open-ended because it being closed-ended meaning that they're probably gonna die for sure and there's not gonna be anything else to do with them and during the 90 minutes I really connected with all the characters I liked all of them um I thought all of them were so amazing like in their characterization and whatnot and relatable in their own unique ways I didn't want them to go so mm-hmm. in this case I really like the open nature uh portion of it I have a few hypotheses of what's happening potentially did you have any that you came up with on your own like what did you come up with as an ending for this I don't have a very original theory I think I read this um in one of the YouTube comments <laughs> and I found it is a very interesting explanation so I'm just gonna steal it thank you the the random person on YouTube um <laughs> you have a very good theory but pretty much the person said that they relive the memory of, it's a loop, or, yeah yeah, like, like they relive the experience so that they can stop Jane or, or Penny like from dying. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, that, that makes sense. And the fact that they all witnessed Penny, Penny, right? Not Peggy. Penny Lamb. Penny, yes. Yeah. Penny's life from, you know, the beginning to, to the end or until her old, like until she's old and whatever. Mm-hmm. I thought that was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like witnessing like what you have sacrificed and what you made the other person's life possible, you know? So for mm-hmm. me, that's a very sweet moment. So I like that, but I don't really know what happens after the ride. And I think nobody does. So mm-hmm. for me, the ending shows, seems like that they just relive the experience to stop um, the tragedy for Penny from happening. And that was it. Um, but that is not my I didn't come up with this so what do you think so one of the things that I did like um it's the same youtuber that came up with it and she said it's a time loop Mm -hmm. in which case um when they say like oh you know it's just a ride whatever and um when she's like um Jane goes like oh you know everything is happening again and again and again um that is indication that the same thing will happen once more that is something that I kind of like, though, to be fair, did he watch Howard Pieces of Mia? No. Okay, that 
is the worst part. <laughs> there was a whole arc of full episodes that were just the exact same episodes again and again and again. Worst part of horror, he says, Mia. Um, but in this case, I would kind of be intrigued by a time loop because usually there is kind of like an escape from the time loop that happens when the characters realize they're stuck in a loop. And I think that'll be really compelling for a sequel. So I'd love to see that. The really boring explanation is when they like saying it's just a ride so they have like you know how you have in disneyland and stuff like that a ride as a story mm-hmm. that could be like the story that they heard on the ride very very boring i don't like that explanation whatsoever it's something that i came up with and i hated it as soon as i came up with this i don't know if other people thought the same thing uh the other boring explanation is that everything just ends meaning their consciousness evaporates and everybody dies except for uh penny lamb and the third Thing that I wanted to bring up that I came with that I liked is every single kid has their own character development moment like Ocean has where they're the one to make the choice and we only see Oceans so there are six different versions of this um, musical that could potentially be happening around and uh, we just don't see the other versions yet so I'd be really really curious to see how the story would differ with the other kids as protagonists um, so that is that is another explanation I really mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. So I think that is probably the end of that portion of our podcast. Mm -hmm. Should we go into the quiz portion? Sure. So full discretion, I already did this quiz because there are two options for a quiz for Ride a Cyclone. This one was the better one compared to the other one. And I mean, if there are two, it means that whoever like made the other one and, and listened to it, and they discovered it wasn't their quiz. It was chosen. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I'm, there's this, not a disrespect. We literally like rely on people making quizzes. And yeah. I have to say to cushion this for you, if by any bizarre coincidence you are listening, um, I solved this one and I didn't like who I got that much. Ah, Okay. We shall Um, see. We shall see. Um, All right. right. So for today's quiz, we're going to do surprise, surprise, which right cyclone character are you? And this is from Alliance Theater. Okay, so what's your favorite school subject? The eternal question. Music, English, math, science, I don't know. Do I have to pick just one? (laughs) It's not listed here. What do I do? Um, (laughs) I'm going to pick English, probably. Science. What is your favorite social media platform? YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. None. I like to be in the here and now. I don't know. Snapchat um probably i mean i use all of them except twitter <laughs> yeah same. <laughs> um, but i don't I'm, I'm not very active it's not like i post stuff mm. but i'm probably gonna choose instagram youtube for sure i spend a lot of time watching youtube videos if it's not mm. clear um what is your favorite food mashed potato duck confit chicken nuggets kill smoothie any seafood i don't know this is very weirdly specific options. Like it's I can not like, I oh. can predict which one is which. Oh, you can predict which one is which? Yeah. Oh. Um, there are two that I'm kind of debating between, but I think I know which one is which. Mm, I would choose seafood. 
I will choose mashed potato or kale smoothie. Hmm. I think I'll go with mashed potato, I suppose. But I do like kale smoothie as well. What do you do in your spare time? Volunteer for political candidates, hang out with friends, creative writing, post on social media, reading, I don't know. It could be any of these. I mean, probably not volunteer for political candidates. I've done that before. Seriously? Okay. Yeah, only twice I went canvassing. Okay, I have never done that. But what about you? I will definitely go with reading. Okay. Where would you spend your dream vacation? Wait, your answer was, I don't know, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where would you spend your dream vacation? Anywhere but here. Why would I ever leave Canada? Eastern Europe, Las Vegas, Cape Cod. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of I don't know in this one. I mean, it's obviously Jane. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> very obvious. Um, anywhere but here. Oh, Eastern Europe, I guess, out of these. Um, what is your catchphrase? Sorry democracy rocks like and subscribe live for today spill the tea i don't know (laughs) probably sorry to be honest really in this case i would say i don't know maybe okay (laughs) what's your sign capricorn aquarius pisces aries taurus gemini cancer leo virgo libra scorpio sagittarius i don't know we already said our signs i'm taurus you're cancer yep what is your favorite movie? Eight Mile, The Devil Wears Prada, Dede, Didi, Dunfer, I don't know. <laughs> beautiful. It's in French. I vowed not to say French after Romeo and Juliet. A Beautiful Mind, Gandhi, I don't know. A Beautiful Mind. The Devil Wears Prada. Favorite music genre? Classical, hip-hop, pop, country, jazz, rock, I don't know. I'm starting to find all your I don't know really funny for some reason. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to pick. Uh, I'm choosing between classical or rock. Mm. You don't listen to pop? You thought you listened to K-pop as well. I do. I do. But um, in terms of like something that I would listen to over and over and over again, probably not K-pop. I see. I see. I see. Yeah. I'll choose rock probably i'll choose pop like k-pop j-pop and like regular top 50 40 are like usually what the playlist is for from not listening from to a musical okay from the below what would you most likely read i don't read the news eat pray love the theory of book. everything you hate that book i never read it the theory of everything how to win friends and influence people girl on the train i don't know um the theory of everything how to win friends and influence people. It was on my list for a very long time. If you could share a meal with one of the following celebrities, who would it be? Lady Gaga, Hillary Clinton, Gigi Hadid, Drake, Amy Poehler, Bill Gates. I don't know. Bill Gates. Same. What is your favorite TV show? Doctor Who, Breaking Bad, House of Cards, Game of Thrones, Riverdale, The Walking Dead. I don't know. Queer Eye. I really want to say Game of Thrones before season eight. Uh, so I'm just going to say Game of Thrones before season eight. Okay. Um, I only watched out of here Doctor Who, Game of Thrones until season four and Queer Eye. Unless you count the first episode of Riverdale that I watched and the one we watched for Heathers. I don't think it counts. And Doctor Who, I definitely like a lot more. Mm. Breaking Bad is also pretty good. I never watched it. My dad really likes it though. 
could you get? Uh, calculating result. I got Ricky out of all of them. That's so curious. Okay. <laughs> that is so funny. Okay. So he says, like Ricky, you're a shy, but curious, imaginative human being. You have been dealt a rough hand in life. Okay. But that doesn't stop you from turning tragedy into penis. All the mm. while digging into life's biggest philosophical questions like, what is the meaning of everything? Or why am I here? You feel a little behind your peers and experiences, but are filled with the dream of a better life. So <laughs> that's why I was laughing. I was like, what is Aww. the meaning of everything and why am I here? Or literally the questions I ask myself every single, like not every single day, probably a little bit um, dramatic, but, <laughs> but I definitely see that here. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Right. How about you? I got Constance Blackwood. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so like Constance, you have a heart of gold. You light up a room with your warmth and kindness, a wonderful support system. You would do anything for your friends. You can be easily influenced. And because of this, sometimes people take advantage of your giving nature. You struggle with your own self-identity. Deep down inside, there is so much more to you. It's not all sunshine and lollipops in your world. There is fierceness ready to take on life. I feel like we probably should have switched. <laughs> no, I thought it's so interesting because like I said that I was most distant from Ricky and you said you were most distant from Constance. Right? Yeah. Maybe there is a reason. Almost, I hope not. <laughs> there is a reason <laughs> we're most distant from them. Um, so yeah, that's the quiz results. Should we go into our final ranking? Yes, please. I think I would give it maybe a 7.5 out of 10 cats okay i think i'm gonna give it 8.5 out of 10 rats and i did not choose it just to say i thought i was was like nice rhyming (laughs) nice rhyming okay thank you okay so i think this is all for today's episode. If you want to discuss anything with us, you want to correct us if you have a much more extensive knowledge about Ride a Cycle than we do. As I mentioned, there is quite a cult following for this one. Um, you want to talk about anything we talked about in the past or give us recommendation for things to cover in the future. You can do all of that and more through our social media. You can find us under Podway Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Reddit. And if you're not a social media person, neither are we. You can contact us via email at podwaypodcast at gmail.com. So that being said, if you also have it in your very giving, good-natured heart to provide us with a cheeky little review, a five-star rating, for example, perhaps maybe on certain platforms like Spotify, we would be also oh grateful and we would love you forever. So if you can, please do so. It will help other people find us, um, just amplify us in the algorithm. If not, that's okay. We're still grateful you listen to us. Thank you so much for a lovely episode, Claire, and um, goodbye. Bye.